Hey guys, I'm Kristen. And I'm Kara. Welcome to Town and Field Church. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning. Now as we prepare to gather and open up the scripture and worship, we pray that wherever you are at would become an encounter with Jesus and that you would be reminded of the abundant life that's found in him. 
Yeah, we just pray that your home would become an extension of this house, that you would feel welcome here just as you are. Our service will begin in just a moment. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome here. <laughs> we got a special Sunday for you guys. I'm really excited to be up here and getting to lead with all of these lovely, lovely people. Um, I'm going to invite everyone to stand. And I thought I'd just um, let you in on a little like insider secret. Every Sunday morning, if you see us all kind of coming up here at the same time and wonder how we, you know, appeared from nowhere together, um, we. Uh, we all gather just before the service with the team, with the host, and, and whoever is preaching usually as well. And we, we have a little pre-service prayer time where we pray for the morning, we pray for all of you guys, we pray for our teams. And I love that that's part of our rhythm because I really think that it helps us to just have the right perspective as we enter into worship. So I thought I would this morning just kind of invite you behind the scenes a little bit and I just take a moment um, to pray together and just so for all of us to kind of close our eyes and just center on the reason why we're here this morning and why we, why we get up super early on Sunday morning <laughs> to gather and worship together. Um, so I just invite you to close your eyes with me and we'll just say a quick prayer. Father, we're so grateful for this house. We're so grateful for this space that you've given us to gather together as believers and lovers of Jesus and to bring a simple offering, a simple offering of worship uh, to your throne room, God, that you sent your son Jesus that we can enter in, that we can see the lamb seated on the throne that paid the highest price for us. And that we just love, love, love that we have the freedom to come to you and to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all of the praise. So, Father, let our worship this morning be a blessing to your heart. We love to worship you, God. Amen.
good to be here this morning. Can I just, I just want to take a moment. Uh, the team this morning uh, up here leading us in worship is uh, people that we've been meeting together as a team of songwriters. And so everyone up here has been part of what we're calling our songwriters collective. We've been writing some music together. And this morning, we want to, uh, we want to lead you in a song we wrote. And back in January, I did a series called The Kingdom and the Church. And I did a, I did a message on um, what worship, what's actually going on when we do uh, engage in worship. And it comes out of Revelation, and I asked him, I was like, hey, can we write a song on it? And we went away in, in April and went away to this cabin for a few days to write some songs, and we wrote a bunch of songs, and this one emerged and got birthed that weekend. And, um, you know, I'm so reminded in Genesis in the beginning, in Genesis 1-1, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. It's two different dimensions, and in the beginning, they were overlapped, and they were together in this beautiful harmony and unity until sin came and separated it, and then... And then Jesus had to come and die so in order to restore that, that relationship. And now we're living in, in a time where there's what I call the overlap between heaven and earth. And, and it's in that overlap that when we come to worship that the space between heaven and earth becomes thin. I call it thin space. And it's not, um, it's not an emotion. It's a decision to enter into thin space to worship. And when we worship, when we come to, to, to give God praise and adoration, it's not like... Um, it's not like we start worship and end worship, but rather there's actually something more going on, which is an ongoing worship service in heaven. And us here in this moment, we just have the opportunity to enter in. That's all we're ever doing is just entering into the ongoing worship service. And so I'd love just to read you Revelation 4. Before we, before we lead into this song, I'd love to just read this for you. So this is John, and he records in his letter in the fourth chapter, he says this. He says, at once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling, and pearls of thunder. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The living creatures uh, was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night and night and day, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to, and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sit on the throne and worship him. And they worship who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns down before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. And there's this image of heavenly worship where you and I, all we're doing is entering into this ongoing worship service that's taking place in the throne room. So it's not a matter of, did I get something out of worship? The question is, did I enter into worship? So friends, this morning, the invitation is for you to enter into 
worship, for you to enter into this place of praise and adoration and to give God all the glory and the honor. It's not a thing. It's not a question of when we leave here, did I get something out of it? The question is, did I enter in? So friends, it's not an emotion, it's a decision. So this morning, there's an invitation to decide to enter into the already going on worship service. There's a decision to enter and say, yes, God, I want to worship you and glorify you. So as we go into this next, this next song and as we sing, and you'll, you'll see that the lyrics uh, parallel the text because we wrote this song off of Revelation 4. And, but friends, the invitation is, will you enter in? Will you, will you lean into the thin space? Like this place should erupt with praise. You know what I mean? Like it shouldn't be quiet. And you might not be a singer. You're in good company. I'm not a singer. People think I stand away from people because I'm spiritual. No, I'm self-conscious. <laughs> I don't want anyone to hear me because I want to get loud. But I also don't want to be embarrassed. So I step away from people like, oh, look at me so spiritual. Just self-conscious. No one, I don't want anyone to hear me. But I just want, I want to get loud. I want this place to erupt with praise. Like all the heavenly creatures surrounding the throne, giving him all the honor and the glory. So an anthem should rise up in this place. Am I not right? Yeah. yeah. An anthem should rise up in this place. So our team's going to lead us. So come on, let's enter in.
we don't do this very often, but uh, I'd just like us to take a minute and uh, thank the team for entering us into worship. Hey. Uh, you guys uh, understood the assignment, <laughs> and we are so thankful uh, for that gift and the way that you used your gifts. So thanks, guys. Hey, welcome here to Town and Field. If this is your first Sunday here, what a treat, hey, um, to worship together in this way. And I'm really glad you're here. Why don't you take a minute and find someone around you to say hello to, uh, maybe someone you've never met before. Introduce yourself this morning, okay? And then we'll have a seat. Oh, man. Settle down, guys. You're so rowdy this morning. <laughs> uh, I just want to say welcome again to Town and Field this morning. If this is your first Sunday here, you've been coming for a long time, and we are just so thankful that you're here. My name's Katie, and today I get a chance to just let you know a little bit about what's going on at Town and Field this fall. Today, we have a great morning ahead of us, but if after the service, I just want to let you know, if you're new, you've been coming maybe a couple times throughout the summer, come out to Connect Brunch. We're going to be gathering uh, in the staff office area, so as you're leaving towards the main doors of the building, just turn right down the hallway. We'll be down there. We've got some great food, and just come and connect. We're not very creative here. We just call it what it is. Come connect. We would love to, the team's going to be, a few of the team will be there with me, and we'd love to meet you and get to know you and help you, help answer any questions you might have about Town and Field and what, how you can plug in here and join community and engage in life in the community of this church. It's a really amazing place to be. Uh, so come to Connect Brunch, and I would love to meet you there. That'll be right after this service. Last week, if you missed it, uh, Catlin opened up for us the vision of our church, what it is that we're doing here, what we want to be about, to see all people experience abundant life through the way of Jesus. And one of the ways that our staff team, our leadership team is really passionate. One of the areas they're really passionate about seeing that actualized, that vision actualized. And historically, actually, our church has been really passionate about seeing abundant life in this area. And we've had a lot of favor in this area is in the area of the lives of kids and teens and families. And you don't have to be a parent here to know that one of the main tools the enemy wants to use to steal, kill, and destroy life in the lives of our young people is the internet, is technology. And I think that if there is an option for bubble wrap, you can come find me afterwards as a parent. I'd like to know about that. But if we're gonna raise fully formed followers of Jesus who love him, our kids are gonna have to engage with the world around them and they're gonna have to engage with technology as they grow up. And so the team has pulled together on November, I think it's November 8th, 9th, November 9th, an incredible evening of equipping this is a night for you if you're a parent, but also if you're just a family caregiver. If you're a grandparent, you're an aunt, you're an uncle, you're someone who hands a phone to a kid sometimes at a restaurant and says, here, watch a show on Netflix, whatever it might be. This is a night of equipping around uh, digital literacy and technology safety. It's going to be a night where we learn about what it means to help 
grow our kids and help let them engage in the world around them, but also keep them safe in that place where there is a lot of people trying really hard to harm kids through the internet, through exploitation, through exposure to um, really, really scary stuff. And so this is a great night. They are, the team has contracted a group called the White Hatter Group, which is like the best of the best. You know, we don't have church staff who we pay to be up on all the ways of internet protection and safety, but they have found the best. These guys are on the leading edge to come and help us understand as parents, as caregivers, how to help our kids engage technology. So you can, it's totally free. You can sign up by um, grabbing one of these, which is at the welcome table as you leave, and it's got a QR code on it. You can sign up on the website. Uh, we just wanna know who's coming, uh, but it's totally free to come. So I encourage you to think about that. Make sure it's in your calendar. November 9th is far away, but like time is kind of folding in on itself, right? It's also tomorrow, so <laughs> make sure it's on your calendar. Um, in just a minute, uh, Catlin is going to come and open the word for us. But before he does, I just wanted to take a minute here and pause and pray. And as a congregation, we want to intercede together uh, for something really tragic going on in the world. We want to take some time to pray for Libya. And I think this morning when I checked, the death toll is up above 11,000 people killed in the flooding there. And so we just want to take some time to pray because that number is going to grow. And the reality of this really unimaginable tragedy uh, is going to become even more tragic in the coming weeks and months. And so we want to pray for um, that country and the city of Derma. And so would you just join with me as we pray? And then Catelyn's going to open the word for us this morning. Jesus, we come before you brokenhearted and devastated for the loss of life, the immense loss of life in Libya. And we want to pray for those on the ground in, in rescue and relief efforts, for favor for them. We want to pray for believers in the country who, uh, whether they're missionaries there or part of local churches, that you would give favor for those caring for um, those in crisis. We want to pray for the government there, which is dealing with its own levels of corruption and abuse, but that you would bring unity around how to stem the loss of life and how to bring relief and healing in that place. God, would you move powerfully in ways that only you can move, really, we ask. And we thank you that you hear our prayers. You hear our prayers for Libya. You have heard our prayers this morning for a hundred things that we have been praying as we entered into this place and that you answer them and that you bring us here to see you, to talk to you, to worship you and to hear from you. And would you continue to bless our morning as Catelyn opens the word for us? Would you speak through him and would you form us in the way of Jesus? Amen. Good. Come on. What are we doing this morning? Good. It's good. Um, <clears throat> last week I did, a, I did Vision Sunday and I unpacked for us our vision statement. If you missed it, can I just encourage you to go watch it? Uh, I think it's going to be really helpful for you in the weeks where we're going. Today, next week, we're doing a, a mini-series called Culture and Foundation, and then we're going to go into a series called Eden. Um, 
talking about the abundant life in Jesus. And I believe in Eden, we discover our identity, our purpose, our calling, and our assignment. And so I'm going to unpack that over four weeks in October. And so it's, it's going to be real good. Um, you know, we're just in a world that's like, why do I exist? What's my purpose? Do I have a calling on my life? Do I, in other words, um, can I live a life of significance? And the answer is yes. Um, and I'll show it to you in October. But for today, but for today, um, the uh, last week we talked about um, the fact that in John 10, we see that um, Jesus says that uh, he invites us into this abundant life. And that's, that's the reason we exist. We're not here to run an event. We are not an event organization. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not good enough just to put on events, you know. Uh, here's what we're about, and here's why we exist as a community of people. And can I just read to you again John 10, because it's going to frame where we're going. Because to understand where we're going, we have to understand where, where we're coming out of. And so this is Jesus speaking in John 10, and he says this. He says, very truly I tell you that I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and they'll go out and they'll find pasture. And then here's John 10, 10. He says, but the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Some translations say that they may have abundant life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in the pen yet. I must bring them also. They too will listen to me. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Our vision is that we would be a place where people can come and experience the abundant life in the way of Jesus. This doesn't mean your life's perfect by any means. But it does mean that there are things that uh, Jesus promises us as the good shepherd that he invites you into in John 10. And so the question then in our logical thinking would be this. At least in my logical thinking is that's, that's a, somewhat of an audacious goal. That's somewhat of an audacious vision to say as a community of people, we want to... Uh, we want to see people come into the abundant life in the way of Jesus. So in my brain, the following question is, how are we going to do that? Like, what are, what are, what are we going to do as a community of people that are going to help lead people into, help lead people to the good shepherd, help lead people to the gate, so that they may experience the abundant life only found in the way of Jesus? And so how are we going to do that? And to me, that, that comes down to your culture and your foundation, what you're building on. Your culture and your foundation. And you know, it's, when, you, when you look at brands, when you look at, when you look at people and brands, you often will look at them and know what their culture is. And so the question is, when, you, when we think of TNF and our local community here, the question is, what is our culture and what is our foundation? What are we building on in order to accomplish this audacious goal of seeing people move towards Jesus so they can experience the abundant life in Jesus? And I believe it's, we're going to do it in two ways. I shouldn't even say I believe it. We're going to only do it in two ways. 
It's two ways that we're going to accomplish this. And this is our foundation, which, uh, which develops our culture. It's our foundation, which develops our culture. The first way is this, spiritual formation. So, there's one, so the first way we do it, the first emphasis that we have is what we call spiritual formation. Or in other words, uh, to use this language, practicing the way of Jesus. Practicing the way of Jesus, our spiritual formation. If Jesus is the gate and he's the only way to the abundant life, then all we're ever doing then is helping lead and guide and going on the journey with people towards Jesus. That's all we're ever doing. We're not here to put on things. We're not here to do things that, that are just for the sake of doing it. All we're ever doing is uh, leading people towards Jesus because if he's the gate, then the only solution I have is we got to help, we got to walk with people towards the gate and the good shepherd. Spiritual formation, that's all we're ever doing. If he's the gate and he's the only way to experience that abundant life, then all we're about, our culture, if Jesus is the hope for humanity, then all we're doing is walking and journeying with people towards the gate, towards Jesus. All we're ever doing is pointing people to Jesus, like a big neon sign, just like we're just pointing people to Jesus. And we call this our spiritual formation. The reality is we're always being formed. It's not a question of, oh, am I being formed? We're always being formed. The question is who or what is forming us. And if we want to experience the abundant life, then we come into formation with Jesus. We come into relationship with Jesus and he forms us. And to help us do that, we adopt practices. The, the practices of Jesus. So the practices formed in the lifestyle of Jesus as we apprentice under Jesus allows us to grow closer to Jesus. Can I say it again? The practices formed in the lifestyle of Jesus as we apprentice under Jesus allow us to grow closer to Jesus. So the, the lifestyle of Jesus that I'm adopting, it helps me, it helps me get closer to Jesus because all I'm ever trying to do is draw nearer to him. All I'm ever trying to do is draw nearer and more intimacy with Jesus. That's why I love in John 10 when he says that. He says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice and they know me. It's this, and, and then he says, sorry, and then he says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, he's, there's this invitation into this intimate relationship. So all I'm trying to do is ever get deeper with Jesus. That's why we're not event-based. That's why it doesn't, look, Sundays, Sundays matter in terms of our collective gathering, but if it, all we care about is Sundays and it's not fulfilling its purpose, which is to draw you closer to Jesus, if the worship and the word and the community and the coffee and like the moments we have together aren't driving us closer to Jesus, then we're just running an event. And I'm not here to run an event because an event will not bring you abundant life, friends. Jesus brings you abundant life, and so we gather collectively because the moments and the elements that we share together should lead us closer to Jesus. But look, friends, there are people that just walk in, and they do it out of rhythm and routine. My, my, man, my heart for you is that you would get out of the rhythm and the routine, and you would walk in with an expectant heart. Jesus, what are you doing? I want to draw closer to you. And maybe you've been distant. If you're distant, look, there's no shame. It's just like coming to a self-realization, uh, self-awareness that I need to draw closer. Look what he says in John uh, 15, just five chapters later. He says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. 
So you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you're the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relational intimate and the relationship is intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. You know what's amazing is if we want to experience the abundant life in the way of Jesus, we experience it by getting into that intimate relationship with Jesus. As we draw near to Jesus, we start to produce fruit in our life. We start to move into healthy directions in our life. We start to experience the abundant life. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can't experience that abundant life. Your your life will bear no fruit. But in relationship with me, your life can bear much fruit as you remain in me, as you remain in me. So to experience abundant life, we remain in Jesus. And so we adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, primarily expressed uh, in what we talk about, nine different practices. Prayer and fasting, solitude, silence, and simplicity, scripture, hospitality, generosity, and community. And these practices help us draw closer to Jesus. In and of themselves, they're just a method. But we, we, we lean into the lifestyle of Jesus in order to experience the abundant life in Jesus. So as I move towards Jesus through the lifestyle of Jesus, I experience the abundant life. On Friday, we hosted this prayer and petition night. This night where we prayed, and it was powerful, man. Praying for people's healings, and we had times of listening and prophetic prayer. It was amazing. Before the night got underway, though, I, was, I saw this young guy, so I went in and sat with him, and I said, bro, I've never seen you before, and so yeah, I just live like down the way, and he's like, he just graduated in June, graduated high school, and he's like, yeah, I'm like 17, I just come on my own. It's like, that's impressive, man. He says, and, and I said, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm looking forward to tonight. And he says, I fasted for the first time today, because last week you said you were going to fast and to fast with you, so I fasted. I said, how did it go? He's like, it was interesting. I said, that's fair, man. I said, I said man, you're so impressive, bro. I said, uh, there are people that will go a whole lifetime of knowing Jesus and never lean into that spiritual practice of fasting. Here you are just coming on your own at 17, and then the guy up front says, let's, let's fast on Friday, and you're like, okay. I said, what's fascinating about you? And then later, you know, we went, we were obviously praying, and I joined, you know, there's lots of movement that night, so, you know, you joined different groups to pray and stuff, and I joined his group at one point, or the people he was sitting with, and he's praying, and we're praying for healing and stuff, and he's praying, and I said, look at this guy, man. Look at this guy just drawing closer to Jesus, coming to collective gatherings, interceding in prayer, fasting. And he's like, I'm a, he's just drawing closer to Jesus. And our, our spiritual formation, if we want to experience the abundant life, so we're just, we're just leading people to Jesus. Look what, there's a story in Revelation, the second chapter, that I has, has just rattled me. Um, I brought a song to the songwriters team the other day. I said, I'm, we're going to write a song on this too. Um, just write a song on everything, you know. You know why? Um, I'm going to talk about this next week, but I'm going I'm to I'm just uh, give a tease on it, though. In, um, often music is used as a method to recall the goodness of God. In Exodus 15, Israel just goes through the Red Sea, and the first thing they do is Moses writes a song. It's the first song in Scripture. And he writes, a, he writes a song on the events that God just did so that the music would recall to memory the goodness of God and the miracles of God. And so music is just such a, an amazing medium and method. But in, Re- in Revelation 2, uh, Jesus is speaking to John about seven different churches. And in the second chapter, he talks about the church in Ephesus. And he says, the church in Ephesus, you guys have done so many good things, so many great things. You're doing all the right things. 
Wouldn't, isn't that what we would want to hear? You're doing all the right things. You're doing the good stuff. You're doing good work. You're faithful. You're standing. He even says, even in the face of persecution, you've standed strong. But then he gets this part, which just rattled me. But in, in second chapter, first four, he says, yet this I hold against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forgotten your first love. In all the doing and all the efforts and all the trying to accomplish stuff and doing all the right stuff, you've just forgotten your first love with me. And the reason it rattled me is so often in ministry and in life, I'm all, I get so focused on the doing. And, and I'm like, Jesus, I don't have time for you because I'm doing the stuff for you. And Jesus is like, whoa, hold on. Just, but it's about us. I came to have relationship. And what flows out of that is a response. Yes, of course, but it's primarily the first love. And I just, I wonder for how many of us in this room, we've forgotten our first love, which is Jesus. Not the doing, not the showing up, not being at the stuff, not making sure I'm at the right things, not making sure I'm doing, but rather that Jesus is our first love. Because if we want to experience the abundant life in the way of Jesus, friends, then it's going to happen as we engage in our relationship with Jesus. And as we come in and he becomes our first love, he becomes the main thing in our life, not the second or third or fourth thing. He's the main thing. If we want to experience abundant life, he has to be the main thing. So friends, is he your first love? Is he, is he the reason? Is he your first love? So our foundation in our culture, my, my hope is when people think of our community, when you think of our community, be like, oh, what we're about, we're just about leading people to Jesus. And it doesn't matter where you are on your journey with Jesus. I have some friends coming this morning that I brought in. I know my friends, they're, they're just trying to figure out who Jesus is. That's good. Can I tell you something? You're already on the path. Your, your, your path does not start once you say yes to Jesus. Even when you start contemplating such things, you're already moving towards Jesus. So it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. My desire and my hope is that this is a place where we get a journey together towards Jesus so you can experience the abundant life. You don't have to have made it to a certain place. That would just be silly. Because Jesus came before anyone could even get to any type of place. No one could even get anywhere. Jesus just came, did everything, died, resurrected, offered you relationship before you could even try to earn it. So he's like, you know, you're not trying to earn it. But just, just receive it. And, and, and daily we make movements towards him through our practices, through our relationship with him. So that's what we're about. That's our first culture piece. That's our first foundation piece. Some people will be like, isn't that simple? Isn't that what we're always doing, just moving towards Jesus? You would think so. But yet, like the church in Ephesus, I feel like there's a lot of us that we're just in the motion of it, eh? Like we're just in the motion of just doing the stuff, and we've forgotten about Jesus. Here's the second thing we're doing that we're about. Here's the second foundation piece. We're, 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 we're relentless about building the local church. If we want to experience abundant life, it's going to happen through the local community, the local church. Building a healthy local church is our foundation. Why, why, why? That would be your natural thought. That would be my natural thought. Why? Because it's his bride, it's his body, and it's his plan. Three reasons why. It's his bride, it's his body, and it's his plan. It's his plan. In the New Testament, Jesus was resurrected. Then on Pentecost, he sends his spirit, and he fills believers with his spirit. Fills them with his power so that they could go and go on mission. This is a missional community. This is not an event. 
And so here's my, here's my working definition of the church. It's a collective community of people who are apprenticing under Jesus, filled and empowered by the Spirit, who were rooted in Scripture, were joined together for his glory, our great joy, being unified by love, released on mission through purpose to see disciples make disciples. There's the global church, and then there's the local expression. We're a local expression of the global church. But his church is the plan. That's why in Matthew 28, he gives to his disciples what we call the great commission. He's like, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's like, go and, go and reach people, make disciples, and then those disciples will make disciples, and those disciples make disciples. And we first see the expansion in Acts 8 of the church. The, the church is primarily in Jerusalem at this point. And there's a great persecution that breaks out when Stephen, one of the disciples, is stoned in Acts 8, in the eighth chapter of this book called Acts, which comes right after the gospel accounts. And the church scatters for their safety. They start fleeing out of Jerusalem. It's interesting enough that the person behind the persecution is actually uh, who would become Paul, who would write much of the New Testament, because God is a God about restoration and redemption, and even with our backgrounds, our stories, and our history, God can still use you. So don't think that you forfeited your future, by the way. Because Paul is the one prompting the persecution in Acts 8. And so there's this great persecution. The disciples are scattered. And through their scattering, because they're filled with the Spirit, they're scattered. And also in the gospel, the good news of Jesus starts to spread. Starts to spread. And people start to come to know Jesus because they're scattered. And God starts to do it through them. And even through what, what looks like a terrible time and was a terrible time, this, this terrible persecution, God used what the devil meant for evil. He used it for good. And all of a sudden, the, the gospel starts to spread and people start to come to faith and they start to come to Jesus. People are making decisions for Jesus. And it starts to move. And it's so fascinating that God always wants to do it through his people. He's a relational God, so he has a relational plan. God always wants to work through his people. He always wants to work through you, which means God wants to do it through you. And sometimes we sit there and we think, I'm exempt from that. Maybe, maybe, maybe my pastor, maybe my small group leader, maybe somebody else sitting beside me, God maybe wants to do it through them. No, God wants to do it through you because he put his spirit in you and he put an assignment in you. And you are, and God wants to do it through you. Look, often we pray that we would see a move of God. God, we want to see a move of you. And we fail to realize that you are the move of God. We pray, God, we want to see a move in Langley. We want to see a move in Langley. I'm like, yes, that's why he put you in Langley. That's why he put me in Surrey. Right? Because where we live should be different because you and I live there. Because you are the move of God. Why? Because we're partnering with Jesus in his cause. And he put his spirit in you. So the places you and I frequent should be different because you and I are there. It's our collective calling to represent God to the world. So the places we live should be different. We are the move of God. That's why in Matthew 5, he says to his disciples, he's like, you are the light of the world. How is it you're the light of the world? Because he put his spirit in you and he's doing it through you. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. So let your shine let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That somehow in this mystery of God filling us, we go out, we represent God to the world. We're living out that collective calling. And we are the plan. When Jesus died, resurrected, and he starts to bring together his disciples, he's like, we're going to call this the church. 
this community of, of believers. This is the plan to see people come to me. It's through relationship. And so God wants to do it through your life. So you're the plan. You're the plan. And it's not because we're awesome. It's because we're pretty, we're pretty basic. Some of y'all like speak for yourself, cat. It's that he gives you his spirit so you can operate in an authority that we just don't have on, in and of ourselves. The church is his bride. So a few times Jesus talks about this idea of the bride and the groom. And he's the groom and the church is the bride. And we see in Revelation 19, Jesus speaks of the church as his bride. And that there will be a day when he will call his bride to himself. And so we should deeply care about the local church. Because it's the plan for Langley. It's the plan for the world. It's also his bride. And so I feel, the, I feel the weight of that, that we should care for the bride well. That people are going to experience the abundant life in Jesus through the local community. And so we should care and we should be relentless about building the local church. So if it's his bride, I feel the weight to build and care for the local church well. And I think in the New Testament, as I examine it, the church is all that's going on. The community of people rallying around the person of Jesus, right? This is why it's our foundation. We're leading people to Jesus. So as we rally around him and we get more than two people in a room, we become a community. So now that's, we call that the church. And so now the church is all that's happening in the New Testament where Jesus has called together his disciples. So look at this. Um, I'm going to go through all, I'm going to just list the books that are in the, in, the, in the New Testament. It says to the book, the book of Romans is written to the church in Rome. 1st and 2nd Corinthians to the church in Corinth, Ephesians to the church in Ephesus, Philippians to the church in Philemon, Colossians to the church in Coloss, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians to the church in Thessalonica, Hebrews to the church in Jerusalem, 1st and 2nd Peter, the letter was written to the churches in Asia Minor, 1, 2, and 3rd John, likely written to the church in Ephesus or Asia Minor, Revelation speaks of seven churches, uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, uh, Thyatira, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. First and second Timothy, written to Pastor Timothy, pastoring the church in Ephesus. Titus, written to uh, the pastor in Corinth. Philemon, the pastor and leader to the church in Colossus. And James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. That's pretty much, that is, all the New Testament. And every book's either written to the leader of the local church or to the local church community itself. So when the New Testament's all about the church, it's because it's all about the church. Okay, are you with me? Yeah. So you and I, if, okay, if the whole New Testament is about the church, you and I should care about the church. That it's healthy and thriving. And if the church is the people, then Paul gets on that. Then all of a sudden it's, it's about, it's his plan. So if we're going to reach people, if we're going to reach Langley, if we're going to change our cities for the, so people can experience the abundant life, it's going to happen through the church. It's his bride. I take that pretty serious. I don't want to mess with the groom's bride. Then it's his body. And that's the people. Paul refers to the church as the body in 1 Corinthians 12. He talks about that every person in the body, so you and I make up the collective body, the collective community. So each of us is given a gift and something to do. So we raise and release people in their giftings and assignments in order to build up the church. That's why underneath, I think on the screen it says that we reach, we develop, and we release. The desire isn't that we just fill the room. The desire is that you would get... You would, you would be in this relationship with Jesus, have a heart for the church. So then you're like, you come to this understanding like, oh, Jesus wants to do it through me. Jesus has put something in me in order to do it. 
And so for you to get developed in that and then released in that, why? Because Paul talks about using your gifting to develop the local church. I have a friend who pastors a church in uh, a small town in Alberta, and he's, he's it's a solo pastor by himself. And he's like, dude, I, I, I was creeping his stuff the other day as I do sometimes when I'm bored. You ever just do that? You just creep a friend. I'm like, what you up to? You look at all their stuff. Just me? Cool. Um, but I noticed on his stuff, he's like, he's lead pastor, so he's preaching every weekend. He's running the board. Then I noticed he's having, like, the youth group over at his house. Then I noticed he's doing this and then small groups. I was chatting to him. I said, bro, like, um, why are you doing everything? Why are you doing everything? He's like, you don't understand my context, Catelyn. I have to do everything. I was like, I just scripturally disagree. I just theologically disagree. Because if you're doing everything, people in your church are not getting released, developed and released into gifting and calling and assignment. They're not getting developed and released. And second, when we look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it says to the pastors to equip his people for the works of service so that the body may be built up. I was like, we cannot build up the body unless people are getting developed and released. Are you with me? So if we're, gonna, if, if we're relentless about building the local church, then we're relentless about people. To see you thrive in your abundant life in the way of Jesus. And one of the ways we thrive is to step out into our giftings, to step out into our assignments. And I'll unpack that in, in our Eden series. So the question I have for you is are you leaning into that? Do you have, are you stepping out in assignment? Are you helping build the local community? Are you helping build the local church? Because it's his plan. The church is his plan. So if it's his plan, it's our plan. So our culture is that we're constantly driving people, we're constantly walking with people to Jesus, we're constantly journeying with people to Jesus, and, and in tandem, they're not opposite, they're in tandem, and in tandem, we're relentless about building the local church, we're, we're, we're relentless about building people, and developing people. That's why, like, I'm, I'm okay if things don't go well, as long as it's, as long as it's because somebody's having an opportunity to grow, and to learn, and to be developed. So we have to be relentless about building a healthy local church. It's just his plan. So I want to be relentless about it. So our, our foundation is to fulfill our vision. Spiritual formation, building a local church in order to see people experience abundant life in the way of Jesus. That's what we're about. That's, how we're, that's, that's the roadmap. And then next week we're going to unpack um, like four priorities. But our whole desires that we're leading people to Jesus and in doing so we're building the local church because it's his plan and friends can I just encourage you that in his plan there's there's a few calls to you one that makes that Jesus is your first love that we, you and I don't become like the church in Ephesus where we've forgotten our first love but Jesus is our first love and then two am I am I building the local community am I releasing what God's put in me Am I using what God's given me to develop his body, to develop the local church? Because my deepest longing is to see people step into their giftings, to be trained, developed, and released. And I always want to speak that over people, to, see, to speak over what Jesus is forming in them. Always wanting to give people an opportunity to be developed and released. So the question that you, you should ask yourself this morning, because we're on this mission together. We're, this isn't an event. This is a missional community of people in partnership with Jesus, being released by Jesus, filled by his, filled by his spirit, being released in, on mission. Is Are you and I, are we stepping out into that assignment? 
Are we stepping out to lead people? To, are we stepping out to build the local community, to build the local church? Because it's through those two things that we're going to see people come to experience the abundant life in the way of Jesus, friends. That's how, that's how it's going to happen. Because it's all I see that's going on in the New Testament. It's all that I see that's happening. Jesus sends his spirit, empowers people. People are sent out. They draw people to Jesus, the Great Commission, making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And in doing so, as people... And in doing so, as people come to discipleship, as people come to Jesus, they, they join a local expression, a local community. And then that local community gets built up. And then more people get discipled. And so the community grows and people get built up. And then people use their gifts and talents to build the local community. And then more people are discipled. Do you see how it works in tandem, friends? That's all that's going on in the New Testament. So when I think about our vision is to see people experience abundant life in the way of Jesus, John 10, 10. How are we going to do that? We just examine scripture. Jesus, I see you doing it in two ways. Obviously, it's you because you're the gate and the good shepherd. And as people come to faith, they enter into this local community we call the church. So we're going to be relentless about building and caring for your bride. That's it, friends. That's it. So we want to be relentless about it. I want to be relentless about it. I'd love to, the team to come back. love to respond. Why don't we stand as the team does that? I think, man, what a cool, man, God just speaking things um, over your life. And if you're in a place this morning and Jesus hasn't been the main thing, it's been about it's been about just showing up to the Sunday. It's been showing up to the event. Can I just encourage you, even now, even now, like the prodigal son, even now you can return to the Father. Even now you can come back to Jesus. Even now you can say, Jesus, I want you to be my first love. Jesus, I want you to be the main priority in my life. Not doing the right stuff, not making sure I'm just in the right room at the right time, but Jesus, that I'm drawing closer to you because the only way we'll experience abundant life is by drawing near. So let's pray. So God, thank you that you made a way so that we could draw near. Thank you, God, that you made a way so we could come closer, that we could come through the open gate. You said, I am the gate. I'm the only way, but the gate is wide open. Thank you, God, that you even made a way that we could come to see the good shepherd and come through the gate. And as we do, God, and we come into relationship with you, we're invited to this beautiful expression of your bride. And God, we just long that we, we, would, we would care about your bride well. We would build the local church well, God, because it honors you, God. It's your plan. And I pray as our church continues to to move into the future, God, that you, that Langley would be different, that the cities in which we live in would be different, our region would be different because there is, there is apprentices of yours that live in this area that are filled by your spirit, filled by your presence, God, and so our city can't be the same. Because, God, we've been praying for a move of God, but we also know, God, that we are the move of God as you put your spirit in us and, you, and we're sent out into the daily places we occupy, that, God, the places we frequent cannot be the same because we're walking into those places with your presence and your authority and your character. As we get formed into your likeness, because we're drawing ever closer to you, God, through our formation. God, I pray that the places we frequent would be different. The people we interact with would see that there's, there's abundant life being, that's coming out of us. That, like Matthew 5, that our light is just shining, God, that, that it's shining. People see that it's different, that we're different, that there's, there's abundant life. And it's different than what the world offers. It's different than what the world says will bring us abundant life. But it's through you, the open gate and the good shepherd. 
I just pray that you would stir up a fresh sense of relationship with you in, our, in, in this community, in our church, God. I pray that you would, you would stir up a fresh zeal for you, God. I pray that we would just have a fresh revelation of the intimacy that you've invited us into, God. Come on, in Jesus' name.
preacher this week, Daryl Johnson, put it this way, that um, one way to understand amen is uh, I can put my trust in that. It's a trustworthy thing. And so we say together, God, or God is good. We can put our trust in him. Jesus is good. And we as a community just moving towards Jesus because we can trust him. And whatever your point, whatever point you're at on that path towards Jesus, just keep coming back and let's keep going this road together. That's what uh, it means to be Town and Field Church moving together towards Jesus. Thanks for being here this morning. I hope we'll see you again next week. And if you're new, newish, or hungry, come to Connect Brunch. Okay. Have a great day, guys. story, call it good, I can't imagine greater truth.